A Simple Test by Mary Murdoch. Read by Robert Croy. A garish, late afternoon sun pierced through the throne room windows, illuminating the dark floorboards in deep mahogany. Two servants, women, washed the floor with white linen on hands and knees, scuttling like insects back and forth between the dark and light spots. Bayushi Aramuro growled as he washed them from a shadowy corner. They tried to disregard his presence as they worked, though only one girl noticeably trembled while the other's skin prickled with nervous sweat. They wouldn't have been able to ignore me if I were the Emerald Champion. The humiliation of his loss against Okoro Toturi stung more than the loss of the championship. Everyone at court had seen a lion beat him. Worse still was that his defeat had caused a twitch in Lady Kachiko's composed façade like a faintest crack in porcelain. Luckily, she had not turned her disappointment upon him. They both knew his failure had not been his fault. Aramuro suspected betrayal, but Yojiro was Kachiko's pet. She would merely torment him rather than punish him outright. Whatever that coward's fate, Aramuro's status was secure despite the loss. Instead of Emerald Champion, Aramuro maintained his position near Kachiko as her Yojimbo, a responsibility that kept him closer to anyone. He licked his lips. The servants were starting to linger too long. Is their work that slovenly, or are they loitering for reasons more menacing? No, they were merely preparing the room for a court assembly that evening, dusting the window sills and floor and polishing the armrests and fluffing the cushions of the ornately carved, backless rosewood chairs and emerald throne for those that would sit there the Hante Emperor, his heir, and Lady Kachiko. Aramuro's lips ticked with a frown hidden by his crimson oni membo. During the last few weeks, scorpion contacts among the less-than-reputable sake houses in Otosan Uchi had gleaned rumors of death threats against Lady Kachiko. As Kachiko's bodyguard, Aramuro had plunged himself deep into investigating the plot for the last several days surfacing with a list of anyone who might have connections to the taverns and access to the palace. The palace cook, who prepared Kachiko's meals, the two servant girls, who cleaned various rooms in the palace, a lowly courtier who could blend in with the rest of the psychophantic crowd, invisible people. Aramuro had hunted each one of them. Who would dare? Stories of such traitors hidden in the capital and perhaps throughout other parts of the empire were emerging from many sources, not just Bayushi's whisperers. Aramuro's chest seared with anger, and he clenched his fists until his knuckles cracked. Assassination rumors involving powerful figures were not common. One involving the emperor's own personal advisor was imitable near blasphemy against heaven, marking the conspirators as dangerous beyond expectation. As Aramuro growled to himself, a surprised gasp came from the door. The scorpion locked eyes with a cringing Otomo courtier who had been skulking into the throne room through the open door. The man was followed by his thick-set, vacant-eyed Yojimbo. 
Otomo Utoshi-san, Aramuro sneered, a grim pleasure lighting his eyes. You are several hours early to court, I see, as one would expect from your zealous groveling. Utoshi swallowed hard, but his dry-mouthed reply issued little more than a stutter. Good afternoon, Aramuro-san. I was simply checking the state of the room. Yes. I can see how a chattering monkey invited into a palace ought to check every room, in case he left any of his refuse behind. The blatant insult left the Otomo speechless. He quivered through a polite parting bow and ducked out of the room. Masao stared briefly after his fleeing master. He eyed Aramuro, a scowl puckering his forehead, before nodding to him and trudging after his charge. Aramuro sniffed in amusement. The young Yojimbo, a man named Masao, had recently been paid, rather cheaply, to spy on the Otomo households. If Utoshi or the other Otomo had any secrets, Aramuro would hear of it. Out of the corner of his eye, Aramuro caught movement in the courtyard gardens below. A flock of courtly ladies sauntered near the lotus pond, their garments and hair ornaments sparkling. At their forefront strolled a sensuous figure swathed in scarlet and black silk. Despite the shade of the parasol poised in her slender hands, this woman glowed. Her regal beauty radiated through the mob of flamboyant nobles. She suddenly laughed at some comment, and all the other women followed suit, desperate to be seen joining in on the jest. Despite her elegance, Aramuro frowned. In every aspect, this woman looked like Lady Kachiko. The delicate arch of her neck, the full red mouth, even her eyes, the same mesmerizing brown, but the truth marred the picturesque grace, dashing the illusion. You walk too fast, Asami, too eagerly. Lady Kachiko never hurries. She walks at her own pace. He watched as Asami, Kachiko's body double, crossed a bridge over the pond with her impatient steps. Disgusted, Aramuro turned away to glare at the servants. They had gathered their cleaning implements, lingering only to check for perfection one final time. Corpses could leave this room faster than you two, Aromero snarled. Startled, the girls snatched up their cleaning rags and fled, leaving the ornately carved doors open. They skittered down the hallway, disappearing through the servants' exit. The sun was setting, basking the throne room in burnt orange hues. The girls would need to slink back to light the evening lanterns in an hour or so. However, they were not the threat he sought. He would come back with Kachiko for the court assembly that evening. Aramuro took one more look out the window into the garden. The ladies were gone. He left the throne room, shutting the door behind him. The door to Lady Kachiko's sitting room slid open, and Bayushi Yojiro emerged. Aramuro's jaw tightened, and he squeezed his katana hilt to prevent himself from seizing Yajiro by the throat. The high corners of the emerald magistrate's collar failed to hide the blush staining his cheeks. Confusion, sorrow, lust, awe. Kachiko must have scolded the wretch, though not nearly enough for what he deserved. Aramuro wrinkled his nose as they crossed paths. Aramuro-san, Yojiro said, his politeness remembered even in his moment of agitation. I do apologize if I kept you waiting. I wait for no one when seeing Lady Kachiko, Aramuro sneered. I can think of one person, Yujiro replied, 
Aramuro's intimidation glancing off his swiftly rising composure, the magistrate bowed a quick farewell and left. A sharp jealousy swept through Aramuro's already enraged blood, swelling into wrath. Yojiro meant Shoju. Of course, Shoju would have more claim to Kachiko. He was their clan champion, her husband, his half-brother, the lucky demon. Aramuro's hands ached to snap Yojiro's neck. The fool always acted superior, living above the rest of their clan in his smug morals. I should choke the arrogance from him. Perhaps one day Kachiko will let me do it. He marched into Kachiko's chamber and slammed the shoji screen behind him, rattling the wood and paper. To his great displeasure, Asami was the one sitting inside with a group of Kachiko's ladies-in-waiting. She wore one of Kachiko's best evening kimono, crimson scattered with gold and black petals in the shape of scorpion stingers. However, the silk hung awkwardly around her shoulders, sagging ever so slightly in the front, her legs and back strained to copy Kachiko's naturally seductive posture upon the zabutan. Worst of all, her eyes lit up as he entered, a desperate excitement that Lady Kachiko would never feel. Does she really fool the entire court? The true Kachiko must be busy writing a letter to Hotaru. He would have to give his report to Asami. Aramuro-san, Asami warbled, with Kachiko's regal air still intact. You are as punctual as the sun. He sat himself across from her, careful to uphold the respectful posture despite her identity. My lady, he grunted, eyeing the woman who sat staring with lacquered faces. Ladies, give me some privacy as I tend to matters with my guard, Asami instructed, smiling as they rose silently and disappeared into a back room. Her refined, dignified demeanor abruptly melted away to reveal Asami's country girl plainness. Her love and devotion paraded more blatantly across her face. Aramuro grunted, concentrating on Asami's mouth and throat, the parts of her that most kept Kachiko's likeness. The skin was so smooth. Aramuro-san, Asami greeted him again, her voice soft with degraded demureness. It is good to see you. Lady Kachiko, he replied curtly, the misnomer curling his tongue. Asami would pass his report on to her mistress exactly as he said it, so he would need to temper his disdain lest it be relayed. My search for the possible assassin continues. I have investigated the palace servants in question. They are mice, not vipers. During tonight's assembly, I shall search among those at court. You should stay close to me during the entire assembly in case something should happen. Asami paused, frowning slightly after realizing that his report was over. What about the cook? I will search his kitchen tonight after court. His wife nodded, not in approval, but in agreement. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate your efforts. Aramuro nodded briskly and made to stand, but Asami lifted her hand, entreating him to stay. Please, husband. The corner of one eye glistened with the trace of tears. Her break in character startled him. She never did this. What is it? She choked on her tears once more before continuing. Ours. Our son is ill. I received word of it from Kyuden Bayushi two days ago. Aramuro blinked. And? I. I thought you might want to know. He didn't have time to be concerned about a child when Lady Kachigo's life was at stake. The clan is taking care of him. Yes, but... 
Asami stifled a sob. She bit her full, delicate lip before continuing. I heard it is very serious. Aramro stared at her. She asks too much. Such distant travel is impossible, he snapped. How dare you ask when your life is threatened? He tried to return her to character. Even here it wasn't safe to break the facade for long. Asami steeled her face slightly. I know my duty, Aramuro, she insisted sulkily. My loyalty is stronger than my love as a mother. I only ask because Shoju-sama commands that you find the would-be assassins tonight. No more delays, lest you imperil us needlessly. Aramuro slid from kneeling to a one-kneed crouch, ready to spring, an enraged fire thrashing through him. Shoju commands me to do what I already planned, does he? He wants to parade his dominion, his triumph over me? His eyes narrowed as he chuckled with a dry, wicked laugh at the irony. And to do so through the wife I ended up with, Asami regained some of Kachiko's manner, a tiny flicker of defiance dancing in her eyes. You chose me, Oramuro. You helped me gain entrance into the Scorpion Clan through my marriage to that Yogo emissary. His death is more on your hands than mine. Aramro grunted in response, not denying the past. I did make my choice. I didn't smother Shoju in his sleep the night after his engagement to Kachiko was announced, after he was chosen as clan champion. He shook his head, shredding the traitorous thought into a thousand black pieces. His clan meant more to him than a selfish desire. In the end, the scorpion had severed him from Kachiko, relegating him to the status of Yojimbo, despite his training, his loyalty. He lived with this clan decision, this burning sacrifice, even when it took marrying a body-double farm girl to help him do it. He sat back down and looked at Asami's mouth and throat once more. The mousy sound of footsteps alerted him to the approach of a servant. Asami's break in character had been far too dangerous, far too emotional. He would scold her for it later. I will do as Shoju commands, Lady Kachigo, he growled. You must do the same here in Orasan Uchi until all conspirators in the capital have been found and dealt with. Asami nodded slowly. As you say, Aramuro-san. At the small, expected rap at the door, Asami regained Lady Kachiko's demeanor without hesitation, the tears vanishing from her face. Enter, she called. A kitchen maid entered with Kachiko's evening meal on a black lacquered tray. The Emperor's blessing upon you. Asami crooned, gesturing for the servant to set the food near her. As soon as the door shut behind the servant, Aramuro moved to inspect the dishes. However, Asami had already snapped up the chopsticks with agile fingers. A tiny morsel of fish landed on her tongue before he could stop her. You fool! Aramuro hissed, dragging the tray away from her. He quickly scanned the tiny dishes of rice, sesame-speckled seaweed, pickled plums, and miso, looking for traces of fatal powders, oils, or tinctures. They betrayed no poisonous ingredients. He looked to her mouth. She had already swallowed the fish. Were it poisoned, she could die within moments. His heart raced as he waited for a labored breath or cry of pain. Nothing. Did she do that on purpose? To test me? The flicker of defiance had burned out, leaving only Asami's modest obedience. She appeared unaware of his panic. He frowned. Would I care if Asami died? The question melted as fast as frost. He pushed the tray back at her, gesturing for her to finish tasting the rest of the food for Kachiko. No, 
Kachiko takes precedence, Narasami, in all things. It would be her duty to die for her lady. As if reading his thoughts, Asami whispered, You have taught me well, husband, both in the ways of the scorpion and the ways of assassination. I will keep Lady Kachiko safe with my life, but should I fall, our son would become an orphan since the secrecy of my position prevents you from claiming him publicly. May I at least write to him? I can send the letter through our clan infiltrators in the Mia messengers. She met his eyes. The glisten of tears had returned. No. Aramuro stood to leave. Concentrate on Lady Kachiko. Nothing else. Asami nodded, the corners of her mouth wilting. As you wish. Will I see you again tomorrow, after your investigation has ended? Not likely. Her desperation had started to become tedious. Shoju is sending me to Ryoko Uwaritoshi for the next few weeks. The seriousness of that mission is likely to be the real reason he wants me to finish this investigation tonight. Her jaw dropped slightly. I have heard nothing about your mission to Ryoko Uwari. Keep it that way. Another knock at the screen indicated the arrival of a messenger. Asami became Kachiko once more. Enter. My lady Kachiko, the young herald said, bowed with practiced sincerity and humility. I bring a reminder of your audience with the Phoenix envoys after tonight's assembly. Aramuro stopped listening as he marched back out of Kachiko's chambers, nearly cuffing the Phoenix boy, leaving Asami to her play-acting. The heat of the throne room itched Aramuro's face beneath his mempo as beads of sweat formed across his upper lip. The room teemed with dozens of silken sycophants who nearly clawed at the throne, attempting to feed their ambitions. He ignored their rhetorical babble, watching every flick of a fan or swish of a sleeve for hidden menace. The emperor, usually so patient and dignified as the son of heaven, listened with weary shoulders, the late hour and heat of the assembly obviously taxing his old frame. Prince Satori, seated to his father's right, glowered at the prattlers. At the emperor's left, Lady Kachiko, not Asami, had taken her rightful place beside him as his adviser. Despite being seated beside the majesty of the emperor, every alluring twist of her proud head asserted her dominance of the room as a master courtier. Mirroring Satori in perfect opposition, she smiled as she scanned the assembly, her lips parted slightly in seductive delight, and her eyes glittered with mischievous fire, as though she could divulge each person's darkest secret on a whim. Her gaze lingered longest on Doji Kuanan, recently arrived from the front where Hotaru commanded the crane forces. Aramuro stood mere inches away from Kachiko's rosewood seat near the edge of the dais, blocking direct access to her from that side of the room. Not far from them, the cowering Otomo Utoshi approached. Masao followed him, the Yojimbo's gaze barely leaving Utoshi's back as he picked his way carefully between courtiers. While the Ronin debate escalated into frenzied accusations and deflections of responsibility, the cacophony churning the sea of nobles about the room, Utoshi inched closer and closer. He wriggled between the bodies to stand on Kachiko's side of the dais, Masao close behind him, mere steps away from Aramuro. Aramuro was not armed, 
having surrendered his weapons along with all the samurai before entering the throne room. However, the Otomo's nearness served no threat. Aramuro could snatch his eyes and tongue out within two heartbeats, should the need arise, but that hardly seemed necessary. Utoshi's face was pale, sick with anxiety, and he lilted from one foot to the other as if fear gnawed at his stability. Fear drove weak men to rash action. Would the imbecile dare attempt anything in the throne room before the emperor himself? Aramro cracked the knuckles of his left hand, a signal he and Kachigo had devised to catch her attention. Gracefully, she turned her gaze upon Utoshi and gave him a knowing smile. He gasped, alarmed at her personal attention. A shiver squirmed down his back, and he recoiled a half-step. She continued to stare, eyes locked with his, mesmerizing him until, with a final, silent squeal, he retreated into the silken throng. Asao frowned with annoyance at having to pick his way through the crowd of courtiers once again. He grimaced at Aramuro before disappearing. Aramuro grinned. However, the sweat on his lip tingled again. Something was not right. Utoshi had risked the wrath of the heavens by approaching the emerald throne, only to wither like a cobweb before a candle. Perhaps the ploy lay elsewhere. The room grew silent as the emperor rose, adjourning the assembly until next week, and after the son of heaven and his heir retired from the room, the crowd followed, thronging to their doors. Aramuro motioned Kachiko to stay for a moment where she sat. "'My lady,' he whispered, leaning slightly over her, eyeing the courtiers as they filed past. Utoshi lingered in the back, watching them. "'Your shadows grow long with the setting sun. Perhaps we should walk to where we might make it disappear.' She nodded, tranquil in the face of danger, though her eyes darted toward the door for only the briefest glance. "'As you advise, Aramuro.' Perhaps a moonlit stroll through the palace gardens will soothe our heavy burden. It will most assuredly be private at this hour. Aramuro stood to let her rise before following her leisurely gait as she melted into the crowd. No more than a few inches from her side. He collected his katana and wakizashi from the attendants outside the throne room in the hall, nodding to Kachiko to spring their trap. Spotting Utoshi following them at a distance, Kachiko called out to him. Utoshi-san, she sang, beckoning him with a sensual wave of her hand. I am afraid the heat of this evening's assembly has proven overpowering. Would you join me in the garden for a brief respite? I hear the perfume of night-blooming jasmine is an excellent cure for faintness. The Otomo's mouth fumbled open, his eyes bouncing between her and Aramuro, searching for motive. Aramuro snorted at his scrutiny. Uh, of course, Lady Kachiko, Utoshi stuttered, awkwardly offering her the hallway so he could follow her. If you would have my company. As they entered the garden, the full moon glimmered over the wall. The light gilded the darkened bodies of the trees and gravel paths in a spectral silver, making a lantern largely unnecessary. Utoshi hesitated at the edge, hardly daring to step into the dark, but Kachiko had already pushed forward, calling him to follow her. Aramuro hung a few steps back with Masao, counting the distance between them and their masters in dagger lengths. "'How did you enjoy the assembly?' Lady Kachiko. Itoshi mumbled, clasping his nervous, fluttery hands behind his back. Kachiko chuckled, bringing a modest hand up to her mouth. "'Oh, it was rather uneventful, wouldn't you say?' 
not a single daring move by anyone. Suddenly, Utoshi tripped on a stone in the dark path, teetering a moment before crashing into Kachiko's side. She gasped and stumbled, nearly falling down with him. Quick as lightning, Aramuro drew his katana and seized a handful of Otoshi's garments. He snapped the courtier backward before throwing him to the ground. Kachiko regained her balance and skittered into the dark, running behind a copse of weeping pines. Aramuro lifted his blade, pointing directly at Masao. Don't move, he snarled, ignoring the sputtering, whimpering Otomo in the dirt. Masao froze, the tumult distorting his face with confusion. Aramuro smiled. Their ploy had trapped the right prey. I have been looking for you, assassin, but cowering behind a shivering curtain is a wretched place to hide. Masao glared down at Utoshi, who sobbed, cringing in the gravel. Turning his baleful eyes on Aramuro, he bared his teeth for a second before tumbling beneath the blade point and lunging over the top of the fallen Otomo. Aramuro snapped his katana down, but only succeeded in slicing the trailing kimono silk in Masao's wake. Masao sprinted toward the weeping pines, crashing through the trees to where Kachiko had disappeared. Aramuro sprang to follow. In the dim light ahead of him, two figures struggled. A small flash in the dark where Kachiko had drawn her sharpened hairpin dagger, but Masao crushed her hand and flung the weapon away. He whipped her arm around behind her back, securing his hold on her before drawing a long, poisoned needle from his sleeve. She writhed in his grasp as he attempted to stab her neck with its point. For a split second, she locked eyes with Aramuro. Cold fear flashed behind their softness. They were Asami's eyes, not Kachiko's. Aramuro plunged his hand between the needle and Asami, clamping the other hand around Masao's throat, instantly crushing his windpipe in a claw of the scorpion grip. Not a sound issued from Masao as he seized for a moment before hanging limply from Aramuro's fingers. Asami broke free from her assailant's lifeless hold and grabbed her husband's arm. What have you done? she hissed, pulling the needle out of his cloth arm guard. She unwrapped the fabric, squinting into the darkness to find the pinprick in his flesh. Aramuro slowly came to his senses, letting Masao finally drop to the ground. Asami was right. He had been a crazed imbecile, making a fatal mistake in his haste. And for what? For Asami? He paused, feeling the blood pounding in his hands. He stared at his wife, once again, seeing all the differences between her and Lady Kachiko. She was still the lesser woman, and her angry tears over his safety repulsed him. But she was safe. Aramuro turned to inspect Masao. The wretch still breathed, though the crumbled flesh at his throat would hinder any interrogation for a long time. At least he is alive, he grunted, not particularly speaking to Asami. In time, the clan will be able to learn more about where he came from and who he is working for. Aramuro! Asami breathed. She let go of his arm. The needle did not break your skin. It only caught in your arm guard. Aramuro said nothing. Instead, he grabbed Masao's collar and started dragging him away. After only a few paces, he stopped. With the assassin's capture, Kachiko was safe for now. The scorpion would have no need of Asami until Hotaro returned to court, which wouldn't be until late fall after the season of war was spent. His wife could leave for Kyuden Buyushi before dawn, and he could protect the real Kachiko by himself, staying close to her side. Aramuro frowned. Shoju was sending him to Ryoko Uwari come morning. Kachiko would be vulnerable without her Yojimbo. Before all, their duty to the Scorpion took precedence. I will see you when I return, Lady Kachiko, he grunted.
turning back into the darkness, the heavy body scraping through the gravel behind him. And give my regards to the Mia. <laughs>